You're listening to The Wise Woman Podcast, Season 2, Episode 34. I'm your host, Alicia Wilfert, founder of Yoke and Abundance, a creative leadership coaching business. This podcast is designed to inspire by introducing you to creative women living abundantly. In today's episode, I want you to meet my friend and wise woman, Anessa Fike. Anessa Fike is the owner and founder of Fike Co., creating excellent workplace culture, strengthening employee engagement, and increasing company productivity run through Anessa's veins. As former director of global recruiting for The Montley Fool in Alexandria, Virginia, her career in human resources began with a company consistently ranked one of the best places to work in the DC area and the US. Her experience includes organizational and leadership development, talent strategy, human resources, and employee relations, and she has a unique skill set of working with government contract compliance. I would not want to do that, but I'm so glad she does. When Anessa isn't helping companies enhance culture, you will find her with a kick-ass pair of shoes on and a full-bodied glass of red wine in her hand. You'll also want to stay tuned in future episodes to hear about her upcoming podcast. We'll be talking shortly, but first, a word from our sponsor. This week's sponsor is Triad Local First, a nonprofit, membership-based organization in Greensboro, North Carolina with members throughout the Triad. Triad Local First members include independent, locally owned retail shops, real estate agents, insurance brokers, marketing and advertising firms, accountants, dentists, restaurants, farmers, breweries, and more. TLF's mission is a commitment to building a strong local economy and a vibrant, unique community. For more information on how to support local independent businesses throughout the year, visit www.triadlocalfirst.com. Anessa Fike. Hi. Hi. I'm great. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yes. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Can you tell our our listeners who you are and what keeps you busy? Yes, absolutely. So my name is Anessa Fike and I own Fike & Co. And we will be in existence for six years this year, which seems crazy to me, but six years, time flies when you're having fun. And um, I'm also a mom, so I'm a working mom. I have an almost five-year-old son and I um, have a wonderful husband. That's my partner in in life and all things. that we do, you know, on a day to day. And we have actually been together a very long time. Really? Um, since 2003. And so this year we'll be together 16 years. Wow. And we will have been married um, 12 years this year. So quite a long time. Yeah. And um, it's funny because he's also in the HR space. Mm. So we get to talk shop quite a bit. But essentially, um, I kind of think of myself as a busybody a lot of times in the nice way because, you know, busybody can get a bad connotation. (laughs) But I always love to stay busy and I always love to learn and I always love to think about what's the next thing. What else can I do? What's the next thing? So I, um, I do like to take moments and think about let me be grateful for this time. Mm. But then I'm like, okay, great, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> so I think I'm a bit of an like, overachiever that way yeah, as well. Absolutely. So can 
you tell our listeners what Fike & Co. is, and, and, yes. and I'll back up. You just, I'm so grateful you just sponsored yes. an episode a couple episodes ago. So yes. thank you so much for being a woman-owned business, supporting yes. another woman-owned business. That's yes. so special. But for those that might not have heard that yeah. episode, what is Fike & Co.? Yes. So number one, I love empowering women businesses because, as you probably know, and I think I've heard you say this on the podcast before, empowered women empower women. Yes. And I feel like if we're not supporting each other, what are we here for? Right. So that is a big thing for me. But Fike & Co. is a people operations and talent acquisition firm. So we're boutique. We're small. We're not going to be a huge firm ever. That's not what I want it to be. Um, we actually really get to know people in companies Typically, anywhere from, say, like three people to about 500 is our niche. Mm -hmm. um, and even more niche than that is probably about 25 people to 150 people in a company. That's where we really kind of see the cultural shift the most. People think a lot that it's like 500 to 1,000 employees, but that is where the culture in a company right. shifts the most. And so we really focus on working with companies that are in that space, that are growing, that need help. We might be the first HR team in the door to help them set things up. And we've also worked with larger companies. So um, Uber, for instance, is one of our clients um, previously, and there are tens of thousands of employees. So we can kind wow. of do the, the scaling mm -hmm. in larger organizations as well, as long as they understand the importance of, of people, of candidate experience, of really bringing people in the door that want to go to a really good place to work every day. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, we say no to more companies than we say yes to because people will say, I have a great culture. We have a great culture. Come and see. And then once you get in there and you feel the vibe, it's just not there. It's not the right place. Right? It's not the right culture. And so you're like, oh, I can't bring so I don't feel good bringing someone to this type of culture. So right. we try to work with companies that understand the importance of really valuing their people mm -hmm. and taking steps towards that. If they know that their ship has gotten off of that plan, we can help them navigate back, but they have to be bought into that. Right. So really working with companies that have a good foundation or know that they want to have a good foundation, they just don't know how to get there. Yes. That's where we kind of help. That makes so much sense. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, absolutely. Anessa, would you like an animal spirit card? Yes. Yes. We've These you, are always so interesting. They are. And <laughs> Especially. Um, you've had some interesting cards pop yes. up for you in the past. And they've always spoken to me, uh -huh. good or bad. <laughs> but we'll see what happens today. And I believe, if I remember correctly, you had the same card pop up more than once. Yes. Yes, um, twice in a row. Yeah. Which was... I have never had that happen oh, really? with a client before. Oh, mm -hmm. wow. So that yeah. was really unique. <laughs> I love that. Okay, if you could put your hands yes. on the cards, take a couple big, deep breaths. Okay. And then whenever you are ready, you will open your eyes and with your left hand, cut the deck into three piles. Okay. And then flip over whichever pile you would like. Wowza. Okay. <laughs> so your face just then showed me. I don't know if it's good or bad. Um, <laughs> no, it's great. Okay. So Anessa just pulled the lizard and I do a weekly wisdom call for clients on okay. Mondays at yes, 11. Yes. I think you've gotten yes. that email. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, what we cover, it's like fast, right? It's just like yes. 
Here's a quick motivational quote for the day. What are what's going well right mm-hmm. now? What are your three most important things? And being able to say that out loud, that accountability piece. Yes. So it's kind of an extra perk of being a client that folks are now yes. getting that they can be in that community with other women yeah. um, who are all same focused and. Today, I wanted to do something a little different, so I thought I'd pull the entire group a card, and they pulled the lizard. Oh, that's so interesting. That's, like, creepy. <laughs> creepy cool. Two um, cards, two of the same cards at the same, the same day. day. But, so maybe it's a lizard energy day, but it's mm-hmm. a great card. So okay. a lizard is a creature of the fire, and creatures of the fire, um, they kind of represent, like, our ego and dissolving ego, and mm-hmm. they... Um, they are creatures of change and you know burning off the unnecessary in order yes. to lead us to our highest self okay okay so if it feels like the heat is on right now it is <laughs> <laughs> and um fire cards do just need to remember that darkness light is the only thing that fire is the only thing that changes darkness yes. to light right okay yes. so it's transforming and the lizard is a fun a really fun card, actually. Oh, awesome. Instinctual, sensitive to the subtle dreamer. The lizard is an expert in the realm of sensory perception. Probably very important for an HR person, <laughs> yes. right? As if it has a sixth sense, the lizard hears what is yet to be spoken and sees what is yet to manifest. Although this is an amazing gift, it can easily wear the lizard down. Big crowds, lots of travel, or overstimulation will drain a lizard of their magical essence. This card is an indication to pull back from the bright lights and big city and return to the inner artist who's been whispering your name. Yes. When in balance, artistic, telepathic, and spiritual. When out of balance, elusive, non-committal, flaky. To bring in the balance, <laughs> a creative project. How does this land for you? Uh, it's so funny. So this lands very squarely, as all of them do, I think. <laughs> we pull them each time. So for me, there are a lot of things that are going through my head with this. Okay. So I've had a decent amount of travel quite recently, mm-hmm. and I'm a very big extrovert. But when I travel, it tires me out. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Even if it's travel for fun, it's exhausting. And even like hopping on a plane and like just being aware of all the germs. Anyone who knows me knows I'm a germaphobe. And so it's just like, it's a lot. It's a lot. And so um, for me, the big crowds, I love big crowds, overstimulation, but I also have to take a minute after I go and travel because what I do is book myself up completely when I travel. I want to maximize my time. So literally if I'm somewhere for three days, which I was last week in Washington, DC, I will book almost hour to hour from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. up with things. And then I just need a break afterward because it's a lot, right? It's a lot and then you have travel and everything is like, okay, I have to be at this thing and then this thing. And it's, it's never with one client or one group. It's with a lot of different ones. So you're kind of changing dynamics. Right. And so it's really interesting. On the other side of that is that um, the fire piece of that mm. is that at Fike & Co., we are going to be expanding pretty quickly soon. And some of that is me trying to figure out what do I leave behind and what do I do next? Yes. And as you and I have spoken, um, I'm a journalist in a past life. And so writing 
to me is something that's very important, but not something I've done a lot of over the last six years that I've had my business. And so my next step is starting to write a book. And that is where, you know, with the growth of a boutique firm and then also starting to write a book, that's where these things start to, what what do I need to let go of, right? And I think as every business owner and especially probably every woman business owner thinks it's like what do I keep control of and what do I let go of yeah what do I get off my plate yes. and give to someone else exactly and so that's a lot of what's going through my head right now because mm-hmm. we have a lot of projects coming into play in early summer yeah and so for me I'm like okay let me think ahead what am I going to need to do there are only 24 hours in the day right. what does that yeah. look like And so I think that this lands very squarely with me today specifically because it's fun, it's exciting, Mm -hmm. it's change, um, which I like, but then part of me also likes routine, right? And so it's it's like, okay, let me me get my head around the change right now. And what do I need to do to make sure that that change is is a peaceful time for me too, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think that we get caught up in growth with chaos. And I always like to pull that back and think to myself, you know, I got into business for a reason to be able to have a more flexible schedule. So how does that look as we grow, right? Yes. How do I still give my, you know, myself some time and how do I still give my family the time that I want to give them, etc. And so um, this lizard card is just really interesting to me and the seeing, sort of seeing what hasn't been said yet and what's coming. It's so funny that this came up because my husband always says, you think 12 steps ahead of everyone. Right. And I can kind of see how things are going to play out before they do. And he said, not everyone thinks like that. That's true. And sometimes I get frustrated because people don't think like that. Mm -hmm. But my husband has to remind me, that's not how everyone thinks, right? It's a gift. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally a gift of yours. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I am... so that there's a lot of dynamics there that really hit home for me. Mm-hmm. So it's just funny that you've had two in the same day. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. So, okay, six-year-old business. Mm-hmm. How did you make the journey? How did you, A, get into the HR space? And then how did you make the decision yes. to start your own business? Yeah, so my journey into starting my own business is probably very unique from how other people do mm-hmm. it. Maybe not, but I've found it's pretty unique. So. I actually was a journalist. That's what I went to school for. I was a newspaper reporter and I was a writer. And I loved talking to people. I loved hearing their stories, hearing their authenticity and helping them. And then I was like, okay, so I went to work at The Motley Fool, which is in Alexandria, Virginia. Mm -hmm. And if anyone knows The Motley Fool, they're an investment newsletter company that really focuses on helping individual investors know that they can invest their own money and they don't need to pay brokerages or brokerage firms. Right. Um, and then, you know, they've expanded since then, but essentially they're they're moving towards helping the world invest mm-hmm. better. Right. Um, and so I went to work there because a friend of mine from college said, there's this really great company, there's a role we have open, I think you might be really good for it. And so I looked at it and I thought, okay, this company seems really great. And I started to interview. I got the role. I actually went into the Motley Fool as an executive assistant to the president at the time, the chief people officer, and the chief technology officer. Wow. So I supported those three executives and their teams, which was about 25 to 26 people overall. Right. And then after six months, I was promoted into the HR space because the chief people officer at the time said to me, you know, you can make a choice. You know, we have a couple of options for you. You can stay in that role with, you know, being sort of the administrative assistant, executive assistant for the president, 
Or you can come over to the HR side because there are some projects that I think you'd be great to help us with. And I'm like, okay, well, let me think about this. HR was not something that at the time people went to school for. Right. Everyone sort of fell into it. And so I'm like, hmm, okay, well, let me think about it. And he walked me through a few of the projects. And I thought, okay, let me try this. I think I'm going to like it. Yeah. So there were very small number of people on the people team at the Motley Fool at that time. And there were a lot of projects that just were on the back burner because there are day-to-day things that had to get done. Right, right. And so I talked to him about it and he said, you know, this will probably take you six to nine months to finish all of these projects. Mm -hmm. And I finished all the projects in three months. And then I said, okay, what else do you want me to do? And so he said, well, you want to help us recruit? I think you might be a good recruiter. And I'm like, okay, sure, I'll try it. And what I found is that recruiting was very similar to journalism. I was asking people questions. I was gauging their authenticity and their answers. I was getting their story. I was helping them by perhaps getting them a job. And so a lot of the different dynamics that I loved about being a journalist is why I loved being a recruiter. Yes. And so then I did more and more recruiting than I did all of the recruiting. And then after a little while, um, the chief people officer came to me and said, so you're doing all the recruiting, do you want the title? And I thought, great. And then, <laughs> then about six months after that or so, he came to me and said, I'd love to promote you to global recruiting director, and you will run the entirety of recruiting across our global scale. Wow. And so um, I recruited in Australia, in Singapore, in Canada, and across the US, and other countries that we were thinking about getting into. And so um, it was an interesting dynamic because now I had a budget, I had a team, I could you know, hire people in other countries and also help them set up you know, offices. And so this was like this amazing being thrown to the wolves in HR and recruiting. And I learned so much. I was there for about three and a half years in total. And I learned so much from a business perspective because I sort of had a bird's eye view into the executive team's business Mm -hmm. because I was in those meetings, right? And I just absorbed everything I could. And then I moved out to the recruiting side. And so I saw the market. I saw the talent that we were looking for. And so the Motley Fool at that time we were about 75 to 100 people. I think it was right around 85, maybe 75. And then when I left, we were at 320, 325. And so for a lot of that period, I was the only recruiter there. And so we were hiring 85 people a year. And then on the side of that, because we were still a small people team, right? we were growing out and there were more people being added to the people team. But on any given day, you could be hiring someone, firing someone, talking to them about mentorship, working through like an immigration visa status with someone, talking about benefits and really the gamut. Right, right. Um, and so, and, and I will say the Motley Fool was a very progressive company. So they were doing unlimited vacation and they had been doing it now for 25 years. They're right. a 25 year old company. Yes. And I would, we would get questions all the time, people calling in saying, this is crazy. You guys, this is never going to work. And now everyone, especially in the tech space, does unlimited vacation. Yeah. So it was just funny because I was sort of on the bleeding edge because of being at the Motley Fool of what a great culture looks like. And this is how you set that up. And this is how you treat people. And so that is, that's kind of where I fell into mm-hmm. HR. I got a very quick education yeah. on a lot of great things, but it was sort of that foundational layer of like, okay, this is how it should be done. It was not a corporate HR foundation mm-hmm. of like, with this paperwork we need to do, this compliance, this isn't compliant, you know, those yeah, types of things. Yeah. We knew the legal dynamics of it all, but we were also thinking about the people. And from there, I said to our chief people officer and our CEO 
that I wanted to move back to North Carolina. So mm. my husband and I said, we want to start to have a family and we don't want to really do it in DC, although we love DC. Um, we want to basically not have to pay for a ton of cost of living costs. And so we were like, okay, let's move back to North Carolina. And so I went to them and said, hey, I'm thinking about moving. And they said, we actually don't want to stop working with you. So what would you think about opening your own business? And I thought, well, I, I never really thought about it. Wow. You know, I was, um, well, that would be, what, six years ago, and I'll be 30, 34 this year. So, you know, in my late 20s, it wasn't something that I was thinking about. Right. And um, so I said, let me, let me think about it for a few days, and I'll get back to yeah. you. And then I came back to them, and I said, okay, what would this look like? And they said, okay, great. Open an LLC. We'll be your first client. And they were. And so then it has been referrals ever since. Wow. For the last six years, we literally have only had business cards printed. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that we didn't even have a website until last year. And the website was fine, but you know we, we rebranded since then. It was AF Recruiting before, and now we rebranded to Fike Co. to really embrace the HR dynamics of what yeah. we do as well as the talent side. And we have an amazing website now. And so realistically, that website is very new. And to work in a tech space with no website is crazy nowadays. Mm. Um, and we mostly work with tech companies or, um, or small agency companies. But um, it's, it's just an interesting dynamic that it's been six years and the referrals keep coming. And it's mind-blowing to me and I'm super grateful because you know most people start out with referrals, but that drives up, dries up after a year. And to have it going for six years is pretty phenomenal. Right. And I just, I continue to get that randomly out of the blue yeah. where people will say, you know, I worked with you here, but we need your help again. And, and so it's really awesome um, that we have that dynamic. And so um, the growth period is coming because we're also, while we still have those referrals coming in, we're also ramping up our marketing and what that looks like just to, you know, at some point I'm like, I'm probably, I probably should do some of that. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. But it's been an amazing ride and I've blinked and it's been six years. Yeah. So my foray into starting my own business was very easy. And so when people say, how did you do it? I say, my path is not the normal path. It was and organic. I know it's harder. Yes. Yeah. That's neat. Yes, very I don't organic. Think I've talked to anybody that has had such an organic start yes. to their business. Well, and also, like some people, if you're in consulting, they'll have maybe one client, right, that they yes. go off with, and and that's fine. And I kind of had that, right? But um, it's mushrooms. Yes, exactly. And so it was like it was safer. Yeah. It was safer than starting from scratch and saying I'm going to do this thing, and I don't have any plan yet or a roadmap or what that looks yeah. like, but I'll figure it out. So mine, I always tell people, it was much safer. And so um, that worked for me then, yeah. you know, and I don't know had I not had that if I would have started a business mm -hmm. then. So I have so many HR questions for yes. you. Yes. And, and I think maybe our <laughs> listeners will too. I mean, so we have people listening who work for big companies or mm -hmm. work for big firms. We have people listening who have started their own business and maybe they're getting ready to hire their first employee or maybe yes. they're getting ready to hire their 10th employee or yes. whatever that is. And I'm wondering what you would say, you know, you know, one through three, what are the most important factors mm -hmm. in creating a good company culture? Absolutely. So I think first and foremost is to figure out what makes your company different and I know everyone says that, but I know you do core value work with people as well. 
If you don't know your core values, the people that you bring in aren't gonna know where you stand on certain things. And so core values are really important. And they shouldn't be long. There shouldn't be a ton of them, right? Right. But we do workshops on just like wordsmithing. What does this look like? Um, And so for for me, they should be short, they should Mm -hmm. be memorable, and every employee should be able to say them. Quickly. Quickly, right off the bat. Mm. And so that is, that's how you sort of make it ingrained. And if you have those core values, the next step would be to make sure you live the core values. Even if you have four people in an office, if you all know what the core values are and you live them day to day and they're ingrained, you all sort of know what the playing field is like. Yeah. And I found too that if you have those core values, it creates a more inclusive culture for right. everyone. Right. Because you're also sort of, if you put that out there, they're electing in. They know what you're yeah. about and they know what your core values are and that resonates with them. Yeah. And they're saying, I want to be in a culture that has these Yes, things. yes. Yeah. That's so interesting that you say that. I mean, even as, so um, Yoga Abundance doesn't have any employees yet. I mean, we'll go that direction, I'm sure, but we do have ambassadors. So mm-hmm. each year there's a new group of ambassadors. Yes. And we just had our first meeting of our ambassadors a couple weeks ago. And it's a lot of people that are already coming to events, already coming to things, listening to the podcast on mm-hmm. a regular basis. And, you know, it should be no surprise that one of my number one core values for the company is connection. Yes. Right. I mean, that should be no surprise. It's yes. like, you know, anytime we all get together, be it either the ambassadors getting together or you come to a Yoke and Abundance event, there's going to be something that is going to be yes. deliberate to help connect people. And if you don't see that, then I am not doing my job well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's also like that connection to community, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I always say people are like, oh, well, some people will tell you I don't need a good work work culture. And I think the people that say that have never experienced it right? because we spend so much of our times working that that should be almost as important as where you live, right? The kids, the, who the you schools marry. that you see, I mean, who you marry, right? Exactly. It's like you're getting married when you exactly. take a job. Exactly. Exactly. And it's very much, where am I going to spend my time? And as humans, we don't have a lot of that, right? It's something that we can never get back. We can't buy more of. And so where are you going to be spending your time? And are you going to enjoy that time or is it going to be horrific for you? And if it's horrific, that's going to make your, ultimately, your time less on this earth. And so um, that's really important to me. And, you know, I've mentioned before that we say no to more companies that we say yes to because when we go and experience and sit in their culture, they say, oh yeah, we've got a great culture. Our culture is great. Everyone loves working here. And you go there and you don't experience any joy in the entire day. That's a problem. That's not really a great culture. And so when we go and sit in cultures, people are laughing, they're smiling. Yes, they are working, but there are moments of joy that you can see from a day to day and that's a great culture because those people are happy. They're gonna do better work. And when they do better work and if it's a customer facing company, they're gonna treat the customers Mm -hmm. better because they are being treated better. And so it it all spirals, you know, everything spirals, everything snowballs, but those core values are really key. And then I would even say the third thing is to just make sure that people feel heard and recognized. I just recently read a, a stat, and I'm sure I'm going to like mess this up a little bit, but it was basically like for every positive recognition someone gets on their work, they will give you an extra 10 hours 
of super productive work. Mm. And it actually might be 100 hours. I'm probably actually really <laughs> downgrading that. But something like you will get a spurt of super productivity. Yes. And if you think about it, especially in corporate America, not that corporate America mm-hmm. is bad. There are good companies in right, corporate absolutely. America. absolutely. But especially in corporate America, if you think about how often people get recognized, they might only hear it once a year during their performance review. Maybe. Maybe. And then maybe people are missing things. But that carrot that keeps them going yes. and gets them to be more productive and enjoy their job and enjoy what they're doing and work towards doing something better, even for the company and themselves, is gone. It's like yeah, elusive. Absolutely. Because it, it comes around once a year. They know maybe to expect it, maybe not to. But it's this thing where it's, if it's done in your culture and it's part of how you operate mm-hmm. by showing appreciation for each other, it's like any other relationship that we have. Imagine if you had a marriage where you only told someone something nice once a year, you likely would not be married for very no, long. you'd probably be getting divorced exactly. pretty quickly. <laughs> so it's like every other relationship. Yeah. It's human beings working with other human beings. And I always tell people that a culture is a living, breathing thing, and it changes second to second, minute to minute, hour to hour, because people change. People, you know, change minute to minute. I mean, they might have the same sort of perspectives. And your culture may sort of pulse around a certain area. It will, you know, grow. But if you have a good pulse of where the culture is, you can see when people start to get either downtrodden or scared or sad. You can see when they're super joyful. And every business has those cycles. But if you can constantly keep a pulse of where they are, you will stop people leaving your company in, in droves. You will stop sort of the productivity of the company from going down. And you'll see if you have happy employees, yes. you'll see your numbers go up. Yeah. Because people just, they do better work. Oh my gosh, I love this so much. I'm curious, like, what have you seen? I mean, you get to work with so many different companies. What, Where have you seen a couple examples of companies recognizing um, their employees well? Yes. So I In would creative, say, unique yes, ways, maybe even. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So I would say, you know, there are there are a lot of companies out there that are doing it well. And one of those things that I've seen be really helpful is to make it part of the routine, right? So introducing something that every week it's part of your routine, it's part of your job to say something nice to someone, right? And if you start to get in that routine of sending a thank you note out or pinging someone on Slack and saying, you know, this was a great job, it actually makes you feel better too. Right. Because you feel like, okay, I have told that person that I see them, that they're there, that they're important, that they're doing good work. And then what's probably going to happen is someone's going to see you and say, I see that you are there, see that you are doing good work. Right? Yes. And so it's starting this cycle of making it part of your routine. And I know you um, do morning pages as yes. part of your routine. Yeah. And, and it's just something that you have to get started. And you have to start it. And it's going to feel weird at first. And it's going to feel weird like this change. Like, I don't know if this is, like, it's weird, right? Yeah. Feedback is hard, positive or negative or constructive, however you want to look at it. Feedback is hard. And recognition is a part of feedback, it is. right? And yeah. feedback gets this bad connotation for being a negative word and it's not it really just results from communication right and so once you start to really incorporate that as a routine and make it something that people don't even think about several months down the line it becomes part of your culture 
that you now have a culture of recognition right. and it's not fake, you know, it's not inauthentic. It becomes very authentic because it's part of your routine. Yeah. And so, especially people managers, I tell them that a lot. I'm like, part of your job is to make a great place for the people that are working with you to do their best work. What's one of the most creative examples you've seen of this? Realistically, it's it can be as simple as just like a note on a calendar. Ah. Uh. Scheduling that on a calendar, right? So yeah. like every Friday, send out thank yous, send out gratitude notes. And it's very simple. There are a ton of software tools out there that do this for you. Mm-hmm. Some of them are quite expensive. But, you know, we work with startups that sometimes are as few as three people. And they're not going to be able to yeah. afford that, right? Yeah. And so it's it's more along the lines of how do you think creatively about how to do that? Yeah. And the way to do that is the simple thing that I've seen that works really well is a calendar. Because a lot of people right now, they'll schedule meetings, right? Meetings are important. They'll schedule time to work on projects. That's important. So why are we not scheduling recognition? Yeah, it's just as important. It is. And so, you know, for for me and even like my husband and I, we leave each other notes and it's become part of our routine. Yeah. We've been together 16 years. So I will leave him a note on the coffee maker in the yeah. morning so yeah. that, you know, I'm grinding the beans the night before and I leave my husband a note in the morning to just say like, I hope you have a great day. Yes. Because he sometimes leaves earlier than before I wake up. Yeah. But it's a way to communicate that's part of our routine. You know, it's funny. I do that with my roommate. Yes. You know, I um, <laughs> will leave, if I leave before her in the morning, sometimes I will just leave like, a little love note to her on the yes. on the mirror in the morning. It's just like, thanks for being a great roommate. Yes. I appreciate you. Yes. Because I don't take the time otherwise to stop and say that yes. to her. I mean, sometimes I do. But, I mean, I feel like not only in work, mm-hmm. but recognition in our daily life. That's such a great reminder that yes. recognition. And then, like, I wonder if we can take that even further. Like, how do yes. you bring your whole self into yes. work? Yes. So, I mean... There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there about this, but you know, for me, what that means is that we embrace the humanity of it to know that we all have really productive days, and we all have days where we're not going to be as productive right. because we're not 100% all the time. If we were, we'd be robots. Yeah, and we're not robots, and that's the beauty of it, right? Yes. The beauty is that we feel empathy, we're sympathetic, and so I think that we should embrace more of that in yeah. each other. And allow people to have days where they're not at 100%. And if you feel that psychological safety within a company, and I'll explain psychological safety in a bit. Yes. But when you when you feel that psychological safety within a company, you feel more at ease. You're more relaxed, which means you're more able to do better work. Right. And so if you feel completely walled off, if you feel like I have to put up a wall to go into work today, I don't know what's going to come at me. And I've been in those situations too, as most people have, where you're like, I might be walking on eggshells today. I'm not sure what's going to happen. You're never going to be able to do your best work. Right. So if you can come in and just as companies embrace people for people and understand that they're going to have really good days and they're going to have some bad days. And that's okay because if you appreciate them and they appreciate you and there's a mutual respect and a mutual relationship there, then it will even out. Right. And so, you know, the psychological safety piece is essentially when you're talking in a group of your peers and you're talking about things, if a manager or an executive were to enter the room, if you don't stop and change the way that you're talking about it, or if you don't talk about things differently, Mm. you have psychological safety. 
if you feel that you're in a room with executives and you have to change the way that you approach the, t- the discussion right. or you feel that other people do, there is not psychological God, safety my there. whole first career. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we've all been there. You know, if you've been working for a couple of years, it's like, okay, you've been there. Yeah. And I've been in past roles where... I didn't know what that day like what that day was going to look like. Right. I didn't know if I was going to be sobbing at the end of the day, if I was going to have to put a wall up, if I was going to get screamed at verbally and right. you know what that was going to look like. And unfortunately, it was part of the culture that I worked in and the industry that I worked in. Yeah. But that's never a good way to live. No. And the stress level of that, right? Yeah. Um, I remember my husband saying to me throughout when I worked at this particular job, he said, you know, I, I really think you need to look at getting a different job or you might need to look at getting a different husband. And Ooh. and I was like, oh, okay. And, and that puts it in perspective. Yeah, it does. Because he was like, I know where that's coming from. I know it's coming from your work and it's, you know, making an impact on who you are. And and I was like, oh, wow, yeah, it is. It is. Time for change. Yeah, time for a change. <laughs> and you sometimes have to See, you don't see it for yourself. Right. Yeah. You know the the small changes that happen day to day, but then someone on the outside is saying, "Well, something's happening here, and <laughs> it's not good." Right. Right. So that is a big dynamic for what we try to help companies with, yeah. because we all just want to be appreciated, and we mm. all want to do our best work. Yes. And it's it's really hard to do that in a lot of companies. And the ones that get it and embrace that mm-hmm. are the ones that are going to find easier access to talent. They're going to hold on to their people for right. longer. Right. And their bottom lines are going to be better for it. Yeah. So I really want to shift gears a little bit because given that I have an HR professional in front of me, I sure. want to know I want to know the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know like what are the three biggest mistakes you see on like resumes or yes. applicants coming to you where you're like, people, I just wish you all knew X, Y, and Z. Yes. You know? Like, what would you tell, like, a group of people who are going out? Because I work with a number of people who, their number one thing is they want to change their job. They're yes. not happy. There's change a, the career. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a core, they're realizing that there's a core value misalignment with yes. who they are and the company that they're at. And now they are updating resumes and they mm-hmm. are going out. What What do they need to know? Yes. So I would say that if you're sending the same resume out to every employer, you're doing it wrong. Ah. And so you can have a resume depending on the industry Mm -hmm. and it should look different. And, you know, I remember that when my husband was getting into HR, someone that was his mentor at the time told him, you were a school teacher, that's HR, here's why. And this is what you list, right? And so you take the skills that you've used Mm -hmm. in other industries and you put those on your resume as if you were already in that industry and how the similarities occur and what you can pull from that. Because if you can pull that out on a resume, people are interested in that, yes. right? And if you don't, they don't know what you've done. Yeah. And so um, that is one thing is don't use the same resume for everything. Try to try to look at the company, mm-hmm. look at what their values are, look at what they think is important. And if that resonates with you, sort of make your resume speak to that company, right? And it's very interesting in how you do that. But if it's a creative company, make your resume fun, right? If it's a more corporate level company, have an objective at the top. If it's not corporate, nobody's reading that objective, right? Mm. (laughs) So really just looking at that. And then also, 
One thing that I find that I talk to candidates, and by the way, this is a candidate market right now. Yeah. There are a ton of jobs open. I know people that would be really excited to hear this. Yes, yeah. yes, there are a ton of jobs open. That does not mean it should be easy to get a job. It's not. It is still going to take time to find the right job. But there are a lot of jobs open and a lot of companies that are fighting for great talent. Yes. So if you can showcase that you're a fit for them and you have the skills available, they will be bringing you in the door very quickly if they know how to do it well. Right? And so there are companies out there that I've heard horror stories from, like, oh, it took three, six months. That's not how long it should take. If a company wants you, they will figure it out. Mm. And um, really looking at making sure that you're aligned and making sure you're asking the right questions in your interview too, because it's as much an interview for you as it is for the company. But on the other side of that, if your first connection with someone at the company and they ask you, why do you want to work here? And you don't have a good answer, they will go to the next person. Right. Right. Because that's ridiculous. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, I talk to people all the time and I'm like, why do you want to work at so-and-so? Why do you want to work here? And they're like, oh, it just seemed like a good company. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not enough nowadays. It's not enough to say that. I don't know why all these relationship analogies are coming to me today, but it's kind of like the equivalent of like if you're going on dates with people. Yes. And you don't know like why you want to date that person yes. that's probably <laughs> bad probably idea. bad right? yes but and it's so funny that you say that because in the hr like field and, and hr is like an interesting word in itself right we're kind of moving like people operations but everyone knows what hr is right. so you say that yeah. but um even in that field people joke and say recruiting is like dating or like hr is like dating yeah because it really is you know a, an on-site interview is very much like a blind date. Yeah. You kind of know what this person is about. You can you create see, bumble yes. for like companies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and people aren't doing that in the HR tech space. But it's so interesting to kind of think about, okay, I know what this person looks like on paper. I know what they kind of look like in person, but who are they really, right? right? And that's really a blind date for a job. And so it's really interesting dynamic of, yes, you're going to be spending a ton of time with this yeah. person, but then also on the other side of things, they're gonna be spending a lot of time in your culture and are they going to be a culture ad? And are they gonna be someone who's going to be as inclusive to other people in your culture as you are, yeah. right? And so I think diversity, inclusion, and belonging are really important pieces as well. Absolutely. It goes to the psychological safety and the whole self. All of these things are intertwined to kind of show that, you know what, if we have a culture that allows people to bring their whole self to work, we are also an inclusive culture, we allow people to feel like they belong here, right? right? And that means they're going to stay here for a lot longer. And then we bring in all types of people through the door. What do you feel like, because you've probably seen so many resumes and met so many people, what are three unique things that folks have done that have just like wowed the socks off you? Well, well, I would I have a couple that are in a good way. And yeah. one of I want to hear it, share it all, the good, bad, and ugly. So when I was actually working at the Volley Fool, we had several people send in like props, if you will. Oh, yeah. Um, like a mannequin hand that said, I'd love to give you a hand. Kind of creepy. That's kind of creepy. <laughs> um, shoes, like baby shoes that said, I'd love to come in and hit the ground running. That's kind of cute. Kind of cute, right? Um, we have once had a one of the Washington Nationals, um, one of the like presidents that run around, you know, they have the costumes on, come in front of our office and say, I want a job, like at the Molly Full, you know, can you hire me? <laughs> 
So a lot did that of get people, your attention enough to it, like take a resume? Well, like it, yes, it did. It did. Um, but it was just like some of that is good, but some of it is you're trying too hard, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so it's the same thing Death as dating, friend, right? right? It's the same thing as dating. Some people are like, okay, they're trying too hard. It's too much. And so there is some of that, some of that you want to try to showcase yourself amongst the crowd. But I will say it continues to be a candidate market and you don't have to do as much of that now. Mm-hmm. Um, people will find you if you're good at what yeah. you do, right? Um, and so, you know, a lot of that is sometimes finding people in companies that are really cool and, and that you can just not pick their brain, but ask how you can help them and maybe have a conversation, informational interviews. Mm-hmm. Those are great. Because if you have an advocate for yourself in that company, that's going to get you a lot farther. That's what I keep telling everyone. Yes. Thank you. I'm like, do the informational interviews. Yes. Like, absolutely. Target the companies whose values align with yours. Yes. Find out as much as you can, figure out where you have a connection, and go do some informational yes. interviews. I'm like, just do it. And it's, it's interesting because like I have had candidates come back to me from seven, eight years ago, mm. and I had a 15-minute conversation with them on the phone. And they've said to me, you know, we had this, you had this amazing just way of asking me about myself mm-hmm. that no other recruiter yeah. had for 15 minutes on the phone, and that stuck with me right. for the last six years. What do you have open now? Right, and so for 15 minutes to have someone in your brain for you know six years—that's a that's really huge. interesting thing, right? And I've had several of those people come back to me and say, "We had this conversation once, or I met you at this thing. What you know? What can I help you with? And then what do you have open now?" Yes. Right. And so the other, like some of the other interesting things of what people have done is when people know their stuff, it comes through. Right, and so when they're on point, when they're on target, you know that it's like, okay, this person's gonna do a great job, right. and they really are going to hit the ground running. The other thing that, I've, that I have seen that works really well is to almost kind of help companies see what they need in the next five to 10 years mm-hmm. and be that person for them now. Be the forward thinker. Be the forward thinker. Be the person who's coming in and saying, I know what you're trying to get to. I know your business. I've read this about you. Here's what I think you're trying to do in the next couple of years. Tell me if I'm wrong. I'd love to hear more about this. But combining the business with whatever you're doing, they're going to be more encouraged because people who are in like marketing, for instance, they might not always tie themselves to the business or people are in HR. They might not always tie themselves to the business. But if you're able to do that and you can say, as a business, I see that your numbers are either up or down this year and here's where I can help with that. That's huge. Yeah. So if you can tie yourself to that bottom line in some way and have them see the value in that, if you can kind of get that across and articulate that, that is huge. Wow. Because there are 99% of candidates do not do that. Yeah, I mean, that you just kind of blew my mind with that. I mean, that's a, of course that's what companies are looking for. Yes. Well, and it's like, you know, you're going to, you're really focused on, okay, what's this company going to provide for me, which is great. Yeah. But also at the end of the day too, you kind of know what the salary is, right? Yeah. You want to know if it's in line with what you're looking for. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because there are more and more um, cities and states that are banning that question of, what are you making now, right? Mm. But don't ask, what are you making now? Ask, what would you like to see, right? Yeah. Because as women, the goal is to close that, that pay gap, yeah, right? Absolutely. And so you're like, what would you like to see? What do you feel your market value is, right? Yeah. And ask somebody that from the very first conversation. But then on the other side of that, so you're asking for the monetary value. If you can show them your monetary value and how they add to that, you can add to the bottom line, 
that's sort of in the same right. category, right? Absolutely. And so if you can kind of see that on both sides, it's going to get you a lot farther in the process. Yeah. And one more thing on yeah, that is, if, as a recruiter, you know, a lot of people are like, persistence is key, persistence is key. But I will tell you that a good recruiter is, a good talent acquisition professional is doing a million things at once and they're already advocating for you internally. So if you reach out to them once a day, every day for two weeks, they're going to say, this person is too much. Mm. <laughs> and I'm already doing a lot. And they're just going to be too much. So, so chill out. Chill, you know, give yourself some time. You know, ask them yeah. when you would like them to check back in, when you can check back in with them, and allow them to give you that timeline. Because every company does have a different timeline yeah. on things. And they might be pushing so hard for you internally. But if you, if you do too much or you're asking them for too much of their time, if they're already trying to do that for you, it will turn them off. Right. Right. That makes so much and sense. And it's, again, yeah. back to dating, right? That person who, like, you met them one time, and then now you're calling them every day for the next two weeks, right? You're Not like, a good luck. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's the, again, it's the same thing with dating, right? It's a relationship. Give me some space. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's like that cadence, right? Yes. You want to figure out what the cadence is. And also a good recruiter will tell you what the timeline is. They'll tell you what the time, what the process looks like. And if they don't, ask them. Because that way you know what it looks like. Exactly. Anessa, if you could sit your high school or college self down. This is a good one. I know this one's coming. I know. I can play your face. You're like, I knew it. I knew it. What would you tell her? So I would tell her to keep being yourself and not dull your sparkles for other people. Yeah. Because I think especially as women, we do that very early on in our careers especially very early on in life in life yes and we try to conform ourselves into what we think other people want us to be and mm. we hit a certain age where we're like you know what f that i'm done yeah absolutely and this is my life and this is what i want to do with it and this is what i'm good at and i'm not going to apologize for right and i think that you know i had a very strong mother that told me very early on to stand up for myself mm-hmm. And um, she was a teacher and a business owner. My dad was a business owner. And so they kind of instilled that entrepreneurial spirit in me. Yes. And to be able to stand up for what I believed in. And there was never any, I have a brother as well. There was never anything of your brother can do this, but you can't. Right. It was more, you can both do whatever you want. And not that it's going to be easy. It's going to take hard work, but you can do whatever you set your mind to. Yeah. And for me, the dulling the sparkles, I think as young women, we get told to sit down and shut up a lot or be the pretty thing in the room, which I have heard. Or be a good girl. Be a good girl. And I'm like, what does that mean? So so I would say to not apologize for who you are. Yeah. And even nowadays, I find myself saying I'm sorry way more than I should. And I apologize for way more things than I should. And it's not to to be, you know, this like brood or this like bear in a room or the bull in a china shop, but to just say, no, this is me and this is what I'm good at. Yeah. Or don't apologize for things that aren't necessary, like not for you to apologize for. Exactly. Sorry is not necessary. Exactly. And I've even had times in business where um, when I was first starting the company, where I've had someone come to me, seek me out and say, I want your expertise in this field for this reason. And they said, and this is how you're going to do your job. And I said, well, then you don't want me because that's not how I do it. And it took six hours for that person. This person's a billionaire. 
six hours for that person to come back to me and say, you're right, do it how you want to do it, we need you. Wow. And you know, it was just like at that point, like if you're going to tell me how to do my job, why don't you do it? Oh, you haven't done it that way? So then you need my help, so let me do it how I do it. Right, exactly. (laughs) It's kind of like, have you tried it before? You clearly have, and it hasn't worked. Right. So so it's one of those things where it's like, know your value and know when to say no. And we've had people come to us, I've literally had a business come to me seven times, and I've told them no seven times in various ways, email, phone, other texts, or whatever. And I'm like, no, I don't want to work with you. We are not working with you. And they're like, we'll pay you this exorbitant amount of money. I'm like, no. no. Your reputation is awful. You treat women awfully. So, no. no. This is not going to happen. Yeah. Please stop calling me. <laughs> yeah. Vanessa, thank you for sharing that. And yes. So tell me, how do you live a life of abundance? So I live a life of abundance by trying to not conform to societal views of balance. I also live a life of abundance by making my own rules and making it different. And by, if someone said, well, we've never done it that way or we've always done it this way, um, I say immediately change it and think outside of the box and think about how you can do it, right? Or what you want to do. And how do we go about doing that? Um, And I also live a life of abundance by um, having a really great partner in life. Mm -hmm. Uh, because I feel like as women, when we're very ambitious, it's very hard to find that counterpart. Yeah. Um, and to have someone to continually push you forward and say, this is what you need to do. You've right. got this. Yes. Um, and I've got, I've got this home thing for a while while you go do that. And, and sharing those responsibilities is huge. Because if you have that, you can then go do that extra thing. You know, you can spend an hour or two at night to work on something and then spend time with your family the next day. Um, and the reason that I love owning my own business is that flexibility of that, mm-hmm. right? Saying, yeah. no, I'm going to take off and go see my son's play at school, or I'm going to take a family vacation for two weeks and not apologize for it. Yeah. And so for, for me, it's creating what works for me. And, um, you know, I, I have a friend who did a, um, a talk on balance is the biggest B. It is. Of them all. I know, I do. Um, the myth of work-life balance. Yes. Because it's just, it is the biggest B. Yeah. And, you know, cussing for a moment, it's just, yeah. it's all bullshit, right? Yeah. And it's, there's not one thing that works for everyone. Right. Just like there's not one thing that works in business and there's not one thing that works in HR. If there was, I would write a book about it. And we'd be millionaires. And we'd be millionaires. <laughs> and if no one's done it yet, it's like, okay, um, there's a little bit of a reason for that. And yeah. let's figure out how we each do it uniquely, right? Um so for me, it's living a life and reminding myself to be gracious in the moment. And this has only really come in the last like couple of years where I've been able to say no more. Mm-hmm. No is actually one of my favorite words. There is a, um, a wise woman, one of our early wise women, Whitney Brooks, and she, her wisdom to everyone is no is a full sentence. Yes. Absolutely. And as women, we want to explain ourselves away. You don't need to. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's just, I can't do this today. Yeah. Done. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yes, yeah. it's been, I mean, that's, that's been really helpful for me is like saying no, knowing where you stand, knowing what you're good at and don't die, like shine, you know, let your sparkle shine. Don't dull it. Yeah. Anessa, thank you so much for being yes, on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I hope you found today's interview with Anessa useful with such sound advice on finding a new career or moving to a new position. If you've got feedback for us, please share at 
yokeandabundance.com. And if you are loving the Yoke and Abundance Wise Women podcast, please head over to iTunes, fill in some stars for us, give us a review, and let other people know what you appreciate about this podcast. A huge thank you to our sponsor, Triad Local First, and my wonderful editor and producer, Ira Sterling at Julia Sound Recordings. Truly, without him, this podcast wouldn't be possible. Remember, every one of us has wisdom within. Keep sharing your words of wisdom because you never know who you'll inspire.